game, so she had me do it. So, uh, Let's see. Let's start with prayer. Lord, thank you for this time, and we just give it to you now and ask that you just bless it, Lord, and just, uh, um, just ask that you just speak by your spirit to our hearts. In your name, amen. Okay. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner. Uh, let's turn over to Exodus 17. I think we'll read this passage. Exodus 17, uh, verse 8. It says, um, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek, and tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited, discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for, for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will, will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. And he said, Because the Lord hath sworn, because the Lord hath sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Okay. In the book we'll read, this, this name is revealed in Exodus 7, 8 through 16. Like Jehovah Shalom, it is an altar name and points to the cross. Do we ever do Jehovah Shalom? Is that one we did earlier? I think Nisi taught that one, didn't she? Yes, God, our peace. Like Jehovah Shalom is an altar name and points to the cross. The banner is a rallying point. People tend to unite under a banner or a standard. A banner draws people together and helps to give them identification. It stands for what God is doing collectively. When the banner is raised and all see it, they identify with it and say, That's us. The cross of Christ is our banner. I, th I think that word identification really hit on what um, I felt this name really represents. It really represents something you can identify with. And, um, and in the story here in Exodus... I noticed, the one thing I really noticed stood out to me, especially, was that it wasn't, when he gets into this sum about the rod, but it wasn't so much that the rod was, he didn't call the rod Jehovah Nisi, or he, he called the altar that was made at the place where they won the victory, they called that Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner, which, to me, they can look back and they can say, you know, the, a battle was won here, and then they can recount how the battle was won, but the reality is the altar represents the victory, not just the holding up of, you know, a rod or something. It's not like they called that exact encounter Jehovah Nisi, but he called it the altar Jehovah Nisi. Um, and, I, I, and then I, it got me to thinking about this identification that, you know, that that's something they can look at and identify and say, okay, we know the Lord won that victory. We know the Lord won that victory against Amalek. Um, Okay, let's read on. The banner, when raised, symbolizes the rule and protection of those whom the banner represents. The flag of the United States flies over certain areas such as embassies in various countries. We don't own that land, but it is still under our rule and protection. 
In Psalm 64 and 5, God states this principle, Thou hast given a banner to them that fear thy name, that it may be displayed because of truth. In John 12:32, Jesus said, If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. The cross is our place of protection and rule. Moses' rod became Israel's standard. The Israelites had seen, that, had seen that rod before. In Egypt, that rod had helped secure their deliverance. When Moses raised the rod over the Red Sea, the waters parted. Now, now the Israelites were, are going into battle. And when they look up on the hill, they see Moses holding the rod. However, this time he is not smiting rocks or parting waters. This time it is not an issue of the Lord our Deliverer, nor the Lord who will deliver us. It is the Lord as our Deliverer. The rod is now the representation of what God has already accomplished through the finished work of Christ on the cross. And he talks about that some there, the rod being, you know, in a sense, the symbol of the victory. Um, but I, I, I was thinking of, I, w- I wanted to go over to John, let's go over to John twelve thirty two. because I wanted to read a little bit out of there. John twelve thirty two. Let's see, this is uh, John twelve thirty. And Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. And the next verse is real important. This he said, signifying what death he should die. And, um, you know, a lot of times, if you just took that one scripture, I, if I be lifted up, will draw from the earth, will draw all men unto me. It's like, if I'm taken and put on this big pedestal and everyone comes and worships me and I'll draw all men unto me. And this, what he's signifying here, though, is not that. He's signifying his death on the cross. That if he be lifted up and put on the cross, which I, it is significant that it's, it's like he's put up for people to see and to view. And you, you see the picture of the cross with everyone that's around there. You see everyone responding in a different way. Some people are weeping and crying and you know, think that they lost the Lord. Some people are, you know, most Everyone did not understand what was happening. Some people are mocking him, you know, and saying this and that. And, you know, everyone has a different view. But the reality is that that was the symbol of the victory that was won, him being lifted up. And and we know that because he came, he rose from the dead, you know, three days later. And we've been brought in life with him and we've been made one with him. And um, But the that verse 33 is real important, real important. This he said, signifying what death he should die. Um That cross, you know, like it says here in the book, the cross is our place of protection and rule. Um, you know, like I think I was sharing last week and I shared some of this past Sunday that it's, to me, it's like hopeful that the cross is there because it has completely eliminated, like I said, anything of me trying to achieve. To me, it's, it's hope because that, I know myself how hard I try and strive to do this. And with Israelites, you can see them in the battle. They're down there fighting and they're doing all their strength, all they can. But if they look up, the arms start to fall, they start to lose. You know, so the battle is, is really determined by, by something greater than themselves. The, the winning of the battle is not, not determined by how hard they fight. Because it, it says when his arms are up, they win. When his arms are down, they lose. And to me, that, that's, that's the hope of the cross, that it takes, takes it out of your hand completely, any responsibility on your part to, like, fight your best or fight your hardest. And um, not that we don't want to fight hard for the Lord, but it takes out anything on our, on our striving to be, and it puts on the Lord's shoulders. That's, that's, that's hope. That's hope, because that, I, I know I will fail. We all know we'll fail. We've all failed. 
but the hope is in the Lord. And to me, it rep- it represents something greater than ourselves. You know, if I be lifted up I will, from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. And I know I'm. We're all drawn to the Lord. We're drawn to the beauty of the cross and what it represents. And it means death to us, which to your flesh isn't a bad thing. But when you see, when your heart wants the Lord, knows the Lord, it means it means hope. It means man, praise the Lord. There's another way. We don't have to fight this victory. We don't have to fight these enemies by ourselves. And I can only imagine the Israelites going into the land not sure. And they were they did doubt. I mean, obviously they, they doubted when they when they didn't go in, but. You know, had they really trusted the Lord, they would have gone in and fought. You know, Josh and Caleb ready to go fight the giants. They were not afraid because they knew that the battle was not their battle. They knew that the battle would not be won by their own fighting, their own, you know, attempts to fight. Um, There was the, uh, you know, you, you just see David with a Goliath and you can see him going to fight Goliath. And I can only imagine what a scene that must have been. You know, you got Goliath out there, this giant and, um, you know, the giant just being large and just yelling and, you know, just send out one man. And it seems, it seems like a really, in his part, it's like, well, of course you're going to you know, send out one man to fight. You know, that's easy for you because you're like the you know biggest guy in the world. Of course, you're going to want to fight one-on-one. And to me, I, my thought was, why don't they all just like rush the field and, and just take him? I mean, I, that's what I, you know, if I'm thinking, why don't we all just rush the field? Surely we can overtake them. But I think they were such fear of the enemy that they, he was saying, you know, oh, you, you know, Send out your best to fight me, which is what, which is how I know I try to approach the law. Send out my best to try to please the Lord. But our best falls so pathetically short of what the Lord wants. And then you have David coming up there, and you know he just hears that, and I just know from his time being with the Lord, he just he's just like you know I know the victory is the Lord's, you know. And he goes out there, and you know he gets called a dog. You know Goliath calls him, who is this dog? You know, but he says, you know. The the victory is the Lord's, and I come in the name of the Lord. And I just, you know, it defies logic that he would be able to defeat Goliath with a little slingshot, you know. I, mean, I, I remember having a slingshot as a kid, you know, you hardly even heard a bird. But, you know, it defies logic that they would kill this giant. But I think that was just, the, it was the picture, it wasn't about the slingshot. It wasn't about having a bigger sword than Goliath. It wasn't about, any, I think the Lord, he could have maybe spit on him and it would have killed him. You know, the Lord could use whatever, the means were not, the method was not the answer as much as his heart saying, you know what, the Lord is bigger than this. And I, you know, he understood what the, what the Lord represented and he was not afraid of that. And, and uh, you need to see that with even Saul trying to put all the armor on him and make it, I'm going to make you protected and you're going to go out there. And he's like, this stuff doesn't fit me. Not, not that it was like, it was big, but this doesn't fit the Lord that I follow. This doesn't, you know, I'm not trying to protect myself. I'm out there to fight for the Lord. And you know, I think he, in a, he doesn't say anything about the Lord, our banner and that, but I believe that he, he understood, he understood who he was, his place that he was in the Lord. He wasn't afraid. Um, I faced a lot of giants that I've just been like, Lord, I, you know, I can't do that. You know, you can't, you can't conquer these things. And, but he's faithful to do that. He's faithful to conquer those giants. And um, the same thing with like a story here in Exodus with Amalek. You know, I, I, it's just. It's such hope to my heart to know that all our strivings are not what the Lord wants. He just wants, he wants us to trust and believe in the victory that he has already won, that he has already, he's already promised to us. I mean, he's promised us, we, you know, when you think of, uh, you know, all this, you know, he says, all this land I'll give to you, like he, like he told the Israelites when they came to the, to the land, this is all yours. You just have to take it by faith, um, but I don't, he doesn't, you know, I don't think he, t- he doesn't want to make it, 
He's still, we still, ha- he's still. There's still the part of our will having to, to trust in Him. We still have to make that effort, not the effort, the the choice to trust Him. Because um, I, you know, He could have gone into the land and just wiped out all the people and said, "The land's yours. It's clear. It's free. Just go take it. You know, you can just have it." It's, but it, His way is is not. You know, He doesn't rule. In the, by force, like how we think of it, he rules by his life. He rules by those trusting in his in his judgment, in his power to do that. Um, and so, I, and I think it was re- I think it's really important that we understand in this story that it's not about it wasn't about the battle as much as it was about what the Lord represented in the battle. Um, the, okay, reading on the book here, there are people in the midst of battles every day. They are fighting down there in the valley. But like Joshua and the Israelites, as long as they can see that rod held high, the knowledge of past victories comes to mind and they are strengthened to overcome. Then there are people who, whom God divinely inspires to hold aloft the banner in front of the people. These are God's leaders. And his leaders must know the Lord as Jehovah Nisi, and they must lift him up so that when the people see him, they are inspired to go on. I'm going to go over to Psalm, Psalm 121. Psalm 121. I don't know where Psalms went. Psalm 121 says, I will lift up mine eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved, and he that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He, sh- he shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Um, Then this chap, this paragraph we just read in the book here, uh, just thinking about those. I know in my life there's been people that the Lord has brought in there that they have, they have stood for the Lord in my life. They have stood and they have, you know, rather than when, it, when like when you, you know, if you get into a hard time, you want someone to come and you know console you and say you know it'll be okay. And but sometimes they come and they say no, you just need to get with the Lord. I'm I'm standing for the Lord. This is you know they were a, a rallying point or a they represented the Lord in my life and said, you know, you just need to get with the Lord. That's that's the answer for you. It's not me patting you on the back telling you to be okay, but you need to get with the Lord. And in such a great way that, you know, at the time you don't want to hear that because you want to, you know, and be told it'll be okay, you know, I'll fix the situation for you. But the great reality is that we each need to turn our hearts to the Lord. It's in times of difficulty, in good times and bad times, our hearts need to be with the Lord. And a lot of times for me, I just need to be told that you, Jason, you need to you know, buck up and get your eyes on the Lord. You know, get your eyes to the hills from whence comes your help. And you know, it's all these scriptures are here for our benefit, for our for our gain. And you know, it's it's even David. You know, we can read this. Say, I'll lift up mine eyes to my hills. And I like over in Psalm 25. I've always liked this passage. It has nothing to do with this in a certain sense, but it does. He he's like encouraging himself in Psalm 25. He says, uh, actually, it's not 25. It's the one that says, Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in... That's 45, I think. Why so downcast, O my soul? 
Well, I'm going to just guess around until I get it. Last, yeah, put your hope in God. And just that, you know, he's, you know, he's like exhorting himself, you know, put your hope in God. You know, you're, you're down, man, but lift up your eyes to the hills. And, uh, you know, being natural people, we like to, you know, I know for me, I like my flesh to be petted sometimes. You know, it's just a, you, you like that. You know, you like to be told, you know, you're doing this and that. But it's so much it's so much greater and so much more uplifting when someone comes, you know, this is this is the word of the Lord. You know, get your eyes to him. Lift up your eyes to the hills. And, you know, I'm thankful to have those people that stand for that. But the Lord wants us to be that for others in the same way. He doesn't, you know, he wants us to be the one who stands. You know, we've all seen the, the picture of the fish going one direction, you got the one Christian fish going the other direction, the one that you know going against the flow. You know, sometimes you're that way when when everyone's in a mess and you're the one standing saying, No, this is the Lord's ground. I'm standing for the Lord. I'm not putting up with this stuff. I'm gonna stand for the Lord. And you may be the only one or an outcast, you know, like uh like Jeremiah, you know, no, this is the word of the Lord. We are supposed to be with the Lord and they all mocked him and rebuked him and, you know, threw him in a pit. You know, he was despised, but um but he stood for the Lord despite that and in, and in the face of that. Um, so I think sometimes, though, we think it'll be this glorious thing like I'm standing for Jesus. But a lot of times you'll be, you know, rebuked and or you'll be, you know, looked down upon or spit upon or, or all these things. And um, I remember we were at Mardi Gras one year and, and uh, you ought to ask Chris Fraker to tell that he tells it much better than me. But we were at Mardi Gras one year and, you know, you all know Chris some now. He's you know, real, everything's just dramatic with him. It's just the way he is. He's a real, you know, dramatic guy. And we're there and, and, uh, you know, he's, we're sharing on, in the streets there at Mardi Gras and sharing the Lord. And this girl comes up and I was, him and I were like partners and we were kind of sharing together. And this girl comes up and I think she was in a wheelchair. I think she actually was like a street girl that found a wheelchair that was just, you know, having fun. She wasn't needing to be in it, but she's in the wheelchair rolling around. She's, they're all kind of, a whole group of the of the street gutter punks were kind of mocking him. And then some of them were kind of getting shared. We were sharing with them, and some of them were just kind of goofing around. She comes up, and I, I think she just wanted to incite, you know, some anger and some Christians. So she comes up, and Chris is trying to share with her. And all of a sudden, she just, like, you know, stands up, and she just hocks the biggest loogie and just, like, whoo, right in his face, just ball in his face, you know. And, He's just like, whoa. But if he tells a story, it's like all dramatic. You know, the girl like winds up and is like, you know, and does this big thing. And yeah, I remember being with him. I remember just being like, wow, you know, how is he going to respond, you know, to this? And, you know, I really, in the time, I was just blessed. You know, he just was like, you know, you, he used to turn it, you need the Lord still. You know, he didn't like rebuke her or do something bad. But, you know, in that sense, you know, she was mocking, trying to like incite something out of him and cause him to rise up in anger. And, you know, he wasn't very happy about it, you know, to say the least, but, you know, he really, you know, he just, he just, in a sense, I saw him, like, make a stand for the Lord and say, you know, no, that, I don't care. You know, it's just a, if you think about it, it's just a tiny glimpse of what Jesus went through when he died on the cross for us. It's just like the tiniest, he was spit on, he was beaten, he was mocked, and he was, for a whole day, basically, you know, he was beaten in his back with, you know, with the, with the whip, and, and, uh, but in a sense, though, you know, it's like, Chris, he made a stand for the Lord in the face of, of this, you know, and, and it's easy to do it when everything's going great, when everyone's, you know, saying, yay for, you know, so-and-so, he's standing for the Lord and he's doing a great thing. But when no one's with you, are you still going to stand? Are you still going to trust in what is there? And, um, you know, it's, you can get like a fear. I don't want to be different. I want to be like everybody else. But when everyone's with you, it's okay. But when you're the only one, will you still stand? And, 
Um, there's a song by Delirious that I've always loved that, you know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, you know, and the way they sing it. And it's just a really good song. But I think in, in, in a sense, when you when you understand the Lord as your banner, there will be some standing when no one else will. If Moses didn't stand with his arms up, they would lose the battle. He was the in a sense, he was the one that was that was standing for Israel for that victory. And if he puts his arms down, they all a bunch of people are affected by it. They lose the battle. But because he stood for the Lord and said, you know, I'm going to keep my arms up. And then they came and they helped him hold his arms. But, you know, there's you see the body there at work just in he's him standing for a whole group of people that they would have the victory. And, you know, and we don't have that kind of we don't all go out and fight battles now and do this. We do like in our country. But, you know, we're not out there together fighting people and this and that. But we are. We are fighting, you know, the principalities and powers of darkness. We are fighting you know, in ourselves, the things that are in us that are not the Lord, we're, we're fighting those things every day. We need one another to stand with one another for the Lord, for his increase. And, you know, we need, if someone's hurting, to go and stand for them and believe for them that they would have the victory. And um, I think that's really the heart of what, you know, Jehovah Nisi, that, you know, to, to, to make, like, you know, I was thinking of, uh, it talks about here, like in, like in another country, you have the flag flying over a certain portion of the land. You know that that land is, belongs to that country or to that principality. Um, in the same way, I thought of like a castle. You know, when you go up to this castle, you'd always look to see what flag is flying over to identify whose it is. Um, the flag stands for what that place represents. And in the same way, people come and they look, do they see Christ when they see us? Do they see us representing the Lord? And not in some kind of, you know, you had to put on like a, fake thing but the flag always it was always flying over the, the castle it always represented what it stood for um and in the same way you know if if as we stand for the lord people are going to see that and they'll be affected by it um let's let's continue reading here god himself it says god himself is our banner isaiah fifty nine nineteen. the truth the truth of jehovah nisi is more than just deliverance out of circumstances he is our deliverance and he is our banner Interestingly, the Lord was Israel's banner before they ever had a problem. They already had an answer before they had the problem. The rod was in Moses' hand for 40 years in the wilderness. But Moses did not know the power of that rod. Similarly, there was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He was already prepared and already slain. It was all completed. But it needed to, but it needed to be manifested in the earth. So Jesus came in a body. Do you remember... Iwo Jima, when they raised the flag up on the hill, they said, look, we've taken the hill. Actually, the flag was the only thing that had taken the hill. The rest of them were still down on the hillside. Well, the Lord has taken the hill, and when we see that he has, then we move in and possess it. He has already won. But we are down the hill, hacking away, trying to get to the top. Then suddenly the cross comes into view, standing tall there on the top of that hill. Hey, look, we shout, we've got a standard up there. It is, it's already set up, let's go. When we see that standard, we know we can take the hill. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner. Um, I remember when I was in a, when I was in, those at this Christian school, it's kind of like a military, Christian military school, and we had the one guy, we had, it was the group would run in our formation, we had the one guy in the front who he carried the, gosh, I remember what that thing was called. He carried the, the pole. He was called the guide on, is what we called him, but he carried the pole. What's that? Yeah, but he, yeah, we called him the guide on, was his, his name. And he carried the pole, ran in the front of the group with the flag, with our little thing on it. You know, and we always followed that thing. If that thing went into the woods, you 
follow that thing into the woods. You know, if that thing went through a creek, you follow, you know, you always followed your flag. And I see, you know, in the Lord, we always follow the banner. We always follow because because Christ, you know, it's it says, you know, I lift it up, I'll draw all men into me. We're drawn to that. We we follow that. We hold fast to that. And I remember being like, sometimes it would, you know, go down a hill and we'd all go down the hill with it. And it didn't matter, you know, what you saw around you, you stayed with that banner. Um, but think about it, there had to be someone carrying that banner in the same way. There had to be someone in the front. And he was the first one to hit the creek. He was the first one to, you know, fall into the mud. He was the first one to do it, but he always had to get up. And so they, I remember that they, they when they picked the guy on, I remember them kind of going through, they picked the guy that was the strongest and who was the most likely to lead the group. And it wasn't some kind of, you know, he's the best, but it had to be someone that could go through the junk, that could go through the creek, that could go through the mud, someone that would not falter and fail. That's why I think in the Lord, you know, as we go on and know the Lord, he begins to put that not in a responsibility, but in, you know, hey, you you can carry this because my life is formed in you. And people are drawn people are drawn to Randy for a reason because there's Christ in him. People are just, just drawn to that. Um, I know I know in me I'm drawn I'm just drawn to people who who just, you know, have that desire for the Lord. It just we all know it's like you're just naturally drawn to that. And in the same way with that guy, you were drawn to him. It wasn't out of a thing of the Lord. It was just simply you followed it. That was the, the rule that was given. But, you know, I think in the Lord it's even greater that, you know, we're to follow Christ as he's been lifted up. And um, and I know that uh, I, I remember some some of the times we'd just be running and being like, why are we following this dumb thing? You know, why are we, you know, this thing's, why is it going this way? And you can wonder, why are you taking me this way, Lord? Why are we going down in this valley to fight? But he knows, he sees the greater picture and he sees the overall thing that he wants to work his son in us. And uh, I think that, you know, a lot of times just beats our, our flesh questioning the Lord. You know, what are you doing here? Lord, what are you trying to do? But he desires to work his son in us so greatly that, you know, we're just with his heart. We just know him. We, we move with him. We flow with him. We flow with him as our banner. You know, we that we become an identification. We become that banner. That becomes our It becomes who we it becomes us. We've identified with it so much that it becomes who you are. Um, I know, like in our in our country here, if you you, know, you live in the United States, we consider ourselves to be Americans because we're, that's just who we are. You know, you go to another country, you're still an American. You still identify as being an American. Um, in the same way, with the Lord, you know, you still identify with being with the Lord, even if you're in a foreign place. You still identify that I am, you know, not just a Christian, but I'm in Christ. Um. And, you know, I, I was, you know, I was thinking, too, in the aspect of how when he says, if, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. In the same way, you know, our, our country, and I, once again, I don't want to get into some political discussion or something, but I, in a certain sense, I think it, it people desire to come to this country for a reason because it, re, what, it represents freedom. It represents hope. It represents like a, a lot of that, you know, is false stuff that's, you know, been built up, but. In a certain sense, there you know there is freedom in our country that most places don't have. You know that we are, can be thankful and grateful for, and people are drawn to that. People are drawn to life, and the, I believe that there is life in this country. Not not I'm not going to get into some kind of you know rabbit trail, but I do believe people are drawn to that, and they they will come. They come in droves. They come you know they just come in hope of something better and hope of something greater and so much more in the Lord. You know if you've People are just drawn to that, and you know we can stand for the Lord and represent His life in us. People are going to be drawn. People are going to come and want more of what you have. And um, 
think that's all I have to share today. I, I guess I just want to share this one thing. I was thinking, you know, I know that uh, for me, I really struggled for a long time with like ministry and how that fits in with my walk. You know, I always thought I had to be ministry. I always separated ministry in my mind. Ministry is like the separate thing. And then either you're a minister, either you're a minister or you're not a minister. There's no, you know, I never saw how they both could be together. That a minister was someone who didn't have a regular job, who just, you know, got up in the morning and they read the Bible. Maybe they talked to people and they shared. And, and in my mind, the ministry was some kind of separate thing. But I, you know, just in growing with the Lord, I've, I've come to realize that, you know, a minister is someone who has the life of Christ in them that is ministering life out. One who, one who ministers is one who, who is, you know, you can be ministering and you can be, have a full-time job and working and, you know, doing the normal thing and still be a minister of Christ, still be a minister of his life. And I think that this, this name of the Lord falls under that, that someone who stands for the Lord in the midst of a place where no one else will, or, or you stand for the Lord, it doesn't matter what you are in the, in the earth. What do you stand for in the Lord? And and it got me thinking about that was, you know, how many times on a job that we'll be in a job and we never even say the name Jesus or God. We don't talk to people about the Lord. But people come back years later and say, you know, you guys really affected me. I could just sense there was something different as you guys were working in our house. You know, just sense the presence. And some people that were Christians, I sensed that you guys were like in the Lord. I sensed the presence of the Lord while you guys were there. And, you know, that he's given us, that ministry has been put in us, that we are bearers of the same seed as pastors, teachers, whatever you want to call them, it doesn't matter. Those A lot of times titles can trip people up. They can be caught up, well, if I'm not a minister, I can't be doing this. But, you know, I believe first you you minister out of life, and that's that's the most important thing. And, and I think that is, you know, as the Lord our banner, people are drawn to life. It doesn't matter what it looks like. They're drawn to what is life. And if they sense life in you and you're not a preacher or a teacher or a pastor, it won't matter to them because they want the life that's in you, and and uh, you know the, the life of Christ knows no bounds. It doesn't. It doesn't know titles. It doesn't know, you know, PhDs. You know, of doctor of theology of you know such and such greater Bible college or something. You know, it doesn't. It doesn't know all that stuff. People are drawn to life, um, and I think that's that's kind of the one thing I really felt in this was you know as, a, as we identify with him in his in his life. People are going to be drawn to that, is not to, not in a lifting up kind of way, but people are drawn to that. And um, so, I just encourage you, you know, just just be with, you know, be with the Lord in that. And and you know, I think that's 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 the ministry. You know, we said we had that banner. I don't know where it went. Come to know Him, go to show Him. You know, you come. In, you don't going to show Him doesn't mean you go out and have to be a preacher or a teacher, but you go out carrying the life of Christ in you. And that's 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 the effect that will change people, because it doesn't know, you know. Like he's, I think it says over in uh, over in the Gospels, when you go before kings and governors, I will put my words, your my words in your mouth. You know, I'll give you the words to speak. And so you can't have a Bible school that tells you all the right things to do, but you go out there and there's no life. It's just going to be dead words to people. But if you know, like this place has been established that you would come and know the Lord. Each in, in, in different ways. Sometimes in the same class, you can learn the Lord in five different ways, but it can be life to different people in different ways. And so I just encourage you, you know, just especially in the time you have here, just to really, you know, just say, Lord, I, you know, I, I want 
your life is so foreign to me beyond what my mind wants to box it as, what my mind wants to categorize it as, or, you know, it's not about knowing Jehovah Nisi in understanding, you know, i got to understand what this means, but knowing the life of it, that it, what it represents, what it stands for, that, you know, it is, uh, you know, we are the Lord's banner as we stand for him, and just, you know, people are drawn to that. Um, I think that's it. Let's close there. Do you want to do the study questions? Last time we, we needed to, so maybe we can do them this time. Okay, number one. Um, sure. Number two, Margareta. Jennifer. That's what I have. Yeah, the end goal is to kill him. Eliminate Moses. It's a little more dramatic. Yeah. Number four. In these days, though, you can't say stone because it means a little different. So. Number four, Nicole, give a brief description of what took place. Well, we all know what happens. We'll skip that one. You can do number five, though. The banner, when raised, symbolizes... Cross. I think he also said something back here. The banner when raised symbolizes the rule and protection of those whom the banner represents. The cross is always a good answer. So, <laughs> yeah, it's in that second paragraph, the first line, or the third paragraph technically. But give an example of this. I have uh, the cross. Yeah. <laughs> Flags flying over the U.S. embassies in different countries, you know, that it represents rule and protection in, you know, in this place, like in a foreign place, it represents rule and protection. You know, we've all seen the movies where the guy's running, trying to get to the embassy, and the people are chasing him in Russia, and he's trying to get to the embassy, and he crosses that line, and he's safe, you know. It's all dramatic, but uh, number six, we won't do that, because it's, except for, no, we don't have to do that. Number seven, Josiah. Yep, and it should be John twelve thirty two. So Yeah. Number eight, Moses's right Amber Rod became Israel's standard or banner. Number nine, Debbie when had the Israelites seen Moses' rod before? I even forgot one of my answers. Oh gosh. Man. Go ahead, Margareta. Mm-hmm. Yep. And also the other one was this, we talked about earlier, smiting the rock when he hit the rock for water when they were... Yeah. Number 10... 
Yep. Or they were, I guess they were strengthened by the knowledge of past victories, but I don't think that really, I don't know. And that effect is spelled wrong. That just drives me crazy. Yeah. They prevail. Yeah. I like that. Doesn't really ever say though that they like looked at it, but how does this apply to us every today, Jennifer? So the cross. That's a good answer. What must God's leaders do, Nicole? Man, that's good. I, I have, not that mine's right or wrong, but lift him up so that when others see him, they are inspired to do so or to go on, to press on. Uh, number 13, besides deliverance out of adverse circumstances, what does this name represent? Yep. Yep. Or him as or, or him as our deliverance, not just delivering us out of circumstances, but also that he is as our deliverance but, or the banner. Um, number 14, Amber. Explain this statement. Moses and Israel already had the answer before they had the problem. I don't know what my answer was all about. It's not even close to being. It just doesn't even like. It's kind of generic. It's like the cross. It's kind of like the cross. Number 14. Moses and Israel already had the answer before they had the problem. What I think it should be is, is that they Moses had the rod when he was in the wilderness and when he was in Egypt, the rod was already there. So the Lord had already given them what would be the answer before they had the problem. Um, the problem being the need to fight Amalek and the need for victory. But I think, I, think, I don't know, Randy may shoot me for this, but I kind of think that... Uh, it's kind of like the slingshot with David. The rod really necessarily wasn't. I mean, it represented something. I think it represented something in the Lord, but he would have used a donkey. You know, like they said, he'll talk out of a donkey's mouth. He'll use whatever. The rocks will cry out. You know, he would have used whatever. And, you know, the Lord will move him whatever item he needs. But I think the important thing on the mountain wasn't so much that the rod, as much as Moses was lifting up the rod. It wasn't so much the actual, you know, lifting up of the rod over the. I mean, I think it was. It's kind of one of those, you know, you can't have one with the other, the other. But I think the underlying thing was Moses understanding that the Lord had the victory. And he was, in a sense, he was representing the Lord's victory by saying, the, the arms are up, you will win. And it gave him something to hope in, something to, to, to look for and to believe in. But anyways, number 15, sure, Amber, go ahead. Amen. Okay. That's it. Tony, you can stop the tape if you need to.